Manor. Hello and welcome to To Manor Podcast. All right, lads. Hot evening. Does anyone know where James is? What was that? Yeah, I don't know where he's gone. Do you know, I think that was pretty good, like, talk show host voicing. We're just going to go... <laughs> no, not really. We're just going to do the whole episode adrenaline up. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. <laughs> uh, well, look, episode Trudy Tree, as they say in Connors. Actually, it's probably not right to say that. I have to leave that <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. Um, how is everyone? Is everyone enjoying these pictures of people queuing outside of supermarkets? Oh. It's like the world. Let's is... not. Let's not no, do this. Just, Come on, we're here for we're here for entertainment. Let's not dwell on this stuff. Oh, All I can world. say is, anyone listening to this, stay at home. There you go. Yeah, well said. Um, how is home. everyone? Otherwise, though, John, how are you? Yeah, doing all right. It's um. It's weird having the not having the football around, but I almost went into summer mode and was like, "Well, just think about cricket and tennis," and then was like, "Hang on a minute, there's none of that either." So, just back to other things, really. It's just nothing, is there, really? Um... That's, that's really, really <laughs> depressing, John. <laughs> I don't even like cricket, and that's even made me sad. You don't like cricket? Uh, What's wrong with you? He loves no, it. I like, no, I hate cricket. To be honest, I only got into cricket like a year or two ago and even then I'm on the fence so I'm, I'm kind of with Connor there he's not alone um, James. no props mate Jack how are you doing yeah not too bad um a bit like John really the lack of lack of sport in whole is uh, getting a bit traumatic now so much so that uh, the weekly accumulator we put on as a group of mates continued yesterday but we had to uh, have chess Russian volleyball and Aussie rules within it. So we're getting a bit desperate. Which uh, chess player did you bet on? It was some Russian bloke and he lost. Okay. Okay. You're not going to guess his name. I think that's probably safe. Yeah, I'm leaving that well alone. <laughs> um, good, good. Isolation in Derby. What's that like? Lots of rams everywhere outside? Uh, surprisingly not, no. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, Connor, what's isolation like in Northern Ireland? Are you stuck there forever? I hope not. <laughs> in the nicest way possible to everyone in Northern Ireland. I hope I'm not stuck here forever. Um, finally have to swim no, back. No, that's all right, mate. Yeah, I'll swim back. I'll go, I'll go across the Irish Sea. Get on my lilo. Do you think I'll Sykes back. has come back to isolate in Northern Ireland? Uh, I don't know. I haven't, maybe you I haven't could, seen him. You, maybe you could offer that to him that you could isolate yourself with him and just tell him how much you like him for a few weeks yeah, we can just go and have a kickabout to be fair just keep our social distancing you know just uh you know just ping some footballs back and forth from two or three foot away that'd be all right yeah yeah but, all right but yeah I'm, I'm all right mate yeah other than obviously stuck inside four walls but yeah it's all yes. right plenty of plenty of video games going on i think and uh and indoor workouts as well you know, gotta keep that up lots of lunges Watching loose women at home, is that it? Yeah, that's wow, well, mate, you've just hit the nail on the head, to be honest. I'll um next time I do it, I'll Skype you so you can see the wonders of my quads. I'm all right. Thanks. Okay. Can we move on? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so today's pod, we're gonna have to have a bit of corona chat as the EFL met a few times and put some statements out. 
And then we're going to talk around some of our best and worst uh, Oxford matches and away days as a bit of a section, which we've done a little bit of prep for, I think. And then we're going to try something else around topics. Jack, this is something that they do on Radio 4, is that right? Or something like that? Yeah, so it's uh, yet another copyright issue that will have to face us, but um, <laughs> it's it's inspired by uh, Just a Minute that was on uh, Radio 4. Um, I kind of grew up because mum and dad listened to it, so we'll see how we get on. It, it'll be entertaining for everyone who's not doing it. Well, or just for us. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, or no one at all. We're at a place now where this is really just for us, so we can talk about Oxford, isn't it? But if people enjoy listening, that's a bonus. Right. Exactly. Let's uh let's let's crack on. Actually, firstly, uh we've just it's nearly eight o'clock on Sunday. Is it is Sunday, isn't it? All the days are blend, blending into one now. I just work from home indefinitely. Yeah, yeah same. Um, <laughs> so get used to that, mate. <laughs> so we've just been um watching the well some of us have the FIFA match stream Oxford versus Lil 4-0 lost Connor quick review all hope lost yeah it was woeful <laughs> <laughs> to, to be is, being honest I think that it's like a, yeah yeah to be honest yeah it wasn't great was it I mean the the lad who played for for Lil he was decent to be fair to me he was a good player but I reckon if I had one of my mates who who's a, a very good FIFA player if he was playing as the Oxford playing for Oxford I think we did a fair bit better but you know I don't want to dig out that lad too much because fair play to him he represented the club good on him my mate Dave would do better (laughs) it's not Dave actually no we did it's worth saying that me Jack and yourself Connor we started the Tut Manor podcast FIFA club on FIFA 20 and we had a decent start didn't we three wins out of four we did we played a team we played a team called COVID-19 who had a goalkeeper called Corona yeah and Um, we beat them so Very topical, yeah. We, we rolled the corona over, yeah. I think, a 1 0 win, yeah. You scored that game, didn't you, James? Yeah, I did. I did a great, great finish. The first goal for the podcast club, and I'd, I'd like to think, as you said, Oxford that shows that Oxford United are going to beat coronavirus. And so, there we you will. go. We all You've will. heard it here first. We all will. Um, we also noticed that KR, I think the Oxford Mail reminded everyone that today marks two years since. Uh, Mr. Carl Robinson took over as Oxford manager and um, I was thinking myself like over his tenure I've gone from a place where I've been incredibly apprehensive due to the fact that I just didn't really like him when he joined Oxford and I read a lot of comments on forums from Charlton fans Um, then he joined and I felt my apprehension was justified and I think a lot of kind of Oxford fans will have followed in this kind of timeline then he seemed to mature in role back end of last season obviously doing well and he's kind of built on, I thought the word authenticity is a thing because you start to think the way he puts himself across previously was just a, like a facade and it's just for show. But you actually kind of realise that's just actually how he is. And now obviously I'm fond of him. And he still plays the odd game in terms of creating a bit of a um, hype around not nothing really due to his, his kind of emotive ways in post-match interviews and such. But... Yeah, that's that's kind of my little timeline of how I've gone with him. John, what about yourself? Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd be on that journey as well. I've always felt with KR that the highs with him are really high and everything comes together and it feels great. And then the lows of the first season were very, very low. And there were some moments in there where you were just like, it was just like you thinking, 
I'm not sure about this. We need to press the press the button at the right time. Um, but now he's much more rounded, much better in the media. Um, the football's obviously come together, and um, yeah, we're, we're all um, yeah nicely fond of him in a way. And uh, yeah, we like his managerial League One mind games. I think it. Yeah, it's better now. He's more stable as a manager. It's all part of the part of the fun. So I'll stick with it. Yeah, Jack, do you reckon those the kind of documentaries, fly on the wall type things that really showed what he did behind the scenes really helped to kind of engage himself with the Oxford fans? Yeah, I think I think so because it is always hard as a fan. You you listen to your manager chatting in the press. You see him on the touchline what once or twice a week. But to see him actually doing his job, you know, away from the public eye and what goes on behind closed doors as such, I think it shows he does care. He is passionate. It isn't this act like I think some managers aren't as passionate as him. So I think it did show that how much uh, he actually enjoys being at Oxford United as well. It's not just another job for him. Yeah. And you saw how much work goes in behind the scenes as well, didn't you? And Connor... I was thinking earlier on when me and John were at Fleetwood away earlier on this season. I remember yeah. John. We, we got in the car to come back, and we were listening to Radio Oxford, and um, there were people phoning after phoning, just saying he needs to go. He's got to go. That was yeah. only this season. And mm-hmm. did you think he would turn it around in the way that he has? It's it's funny this question because. I've got the. I've, I've spoken about him before. The lad who's a Wimbledon fan that I'm friends with. He holds a screenshot on his phone that I posted in our group chat uh, last year when we were going for a bit of a turbulent time, and it was basically me saying that I wasn't keen on Carl Robinson, but I didn't say get him out. It was more like, oh, I'm sick of this, sick of Carl Robinson. And every time anything goes wrong with Carl Robinson, or any time I praise him, he'll instantly post that picture or that screenshot <laughs> of what I said back in the group chat just to dig at me. So. Yeah, I kind of had the same sort of ideas as you, James, where I was very apprehensive at times. And I think um, for me, after coming off a manager like um, Appleton, who in the media, he was he's very different to Carl Robinson. They're very different types of, of managers in the way they deal with the media, that sort of thing. When KR first came in, I was kind of like, oh, here we go. It's one of these sort of gob, you know, gobshites, to be honest, when it comes to talking in the media you can bleep that word out just in case anyone wants to moan about it um and yeah yeah i just think off the back of that particularly what you just said there with the the fleetwood game i mean that was very early on in the season wasn't it i know we didn't we had a bit of a rocky start but the way he's turned it around has, has been brilliant and as jack said the sort of the culture and the spirit he's built around the club with the players he has at his disposal it just goes to show what type of manager he is he's clearly a very very good man manager yeah, absolutely. That's very, that's very important in my eyes in terms of how I'd like a manager to operate within my club because we've got so many young players, and he's clearly galvanised those. It was the good coach. Is he was he is he a good coach or a good manager? Manager, and I think, yeah, yeah. And previously, it was more like he seems to be a good coach. Players never seem to have down tools for him, but we weren't getting the results. You feel like he's kind of yeah. moulded that a bit, and I think he's also kind of taking control of the club. If that makes sense, I think. Oxford allow him to to have that authority and yeah. responsibility once. I reckon other clubs he wouldn't get that and he probably wouldn't yeah. might not be as successful. That might be a bit being a bit harsh, but I think yeah, I, he needs certain I, I agree things with that. for it to work. Yeah. I think um that's in that sense I think it's a little nod to the board, actually. 
with the way that yeah, they, they, kind of, they stuck with um, him, didn't they? Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah, which is really important. You know, that's how we. That you know, this is the thing is when when managers stay at clubs for a long time, you do reap the benefits nine times out of ten. So I'm very happy to see that he's reached two years in, in charge and some of the players that he's developed while he's been with us that we've then sold on for profits, etc. Those are the little things that actually perhaps go a little bit unnoticed outside of just the results business. So, you know, personally, at the moment, I'm very happy with Carl Robinson in charge and I would be very upset to see him leave um, once yeah. the football season recommences. That's what I'm going to say. I don't think he'll. I, I don't think he'll be leaving. If there's no, any Oxford, if there's any Oxford fan listening to this that has never doubted KR, get in touch. And if you do get in touch, I don't believe you whatsoever. Because <laughs> we're all fickle Oxford fans, <laughs> and there will be time. Of course, we are. Um, anyway, uh, so on to Corona stuff. So the EFL got together and unveiled some plans for dealing with the coronavirus crisis. Um, they put a statement out saying the primary objective in order to protect competition integrity is to deliver a successful conclusion to the season subject to the overriding priority around health and well-being. And I think last week on the pod, we were just saying it's of utmost importance that they finish this season above and beyond trying to prioritise next season. Like Even if next season wasn't even a thing and couldn't happen, I think we'd all rather finish this season and then deal with that at another time, right? Like, I'm, I'm happy that they've kind of come out with that statement and I think most of the football community are pretty happy with that, maybe apart from Karen Brady. <laughs> I think I think there's probably a little bit of a sigh of relief, I think, amongst quite a lot of fans when they read that. I mean, of course, it's still kind of subject to change in some cases because we don't actually know how long this will go on for and how long we won't be seeing football back on our on our TV screens or, you know, in, in front of us and in the stands. But it was, when I read that, I kind of went, you know, oh, thank God. So let's hope that yeah. that, sta- that, that statement stays true. Yeah. They also said plans continue to be developed on the agreed principle that it is in the best interest of the EFL and the clubs to complete the current season at the appropriate time. Jack, it all sounds pretty sensible. I think that's the kind of statements that we were looking for, right? Yeah, I think... It is what all football fans would want, if we're being honest. I don't think um, anyone would actually want seasons to be cut short and games voided or not finished, etc., etc. Um, and it's quite pleasing that they've set it out nice and early that this is what they want to do. So hopefully it will be sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. The other stuff that, that came out this week, they were talking around um, the EFL making a fund available. So... To ease the financial strains on members of the EFL, a 50 million relief package will also be made available to clubs. John, have you looked into this at all? I know the Colchester um, chairman was saying that's not going to be enough. And the the questions I had was, I still wasn't completely sure how the 50 million fund is actually going to be distributed. Um, Although I think I've just read a BBC article before coming on that gave some idea to that. And then they said, um, if they are bringing kind of forward payments to clubs, doesn't it mean that we just we were talking about this pre-pod, weren't we? Won't we just lose out on some money at some stage next year, perhaps? Potentially, but I suppose it it does also take what form next season comes into. If it's a full season or reduced season that will come in, I mean, I've seen the Gillingham chairman say we're all right for one two months, but then the third one gets tricky. The Accrington Stanley chairman Andy Holt was always worth a follow on Twitter if you're on that. For some of his insights yeah. into it, I think they're talking about um, splits into a certain amount per club, 
Um, and I think there was a fans forum this week where they touched on it in a bit more detail. But it's all going to come down to sort of how long clubs can keep um, some of their staff on board, even though some of the, the, the government guarantees of will come into place in terms of like salaries and so on. But the other point I was thinking about um, before this was the transfer window is going to be, could be potentially very bizarre when we eventually get to that point because clubs are either going to scale back transfer spending because they don't have the money. So therefore we might end up keeping some of the players we think we're going to lose or clubs might be so desperate that these players can get picked off for nothing. So, and then equally clubs won't know what their budget needs to be. If, if it's going to be some weird 12 game season next week, um, next season for, or whatever, whatever it needs to be. So yeah, I think this, I think no doubt this helps cash flow and club management for two, three months, but probably if it carries on long, that will probably be in the same place where the EFL will have to pump another 50 million. This is about just getting through, through things as I see it, not as an actual, right, we know what's going to happen after three months. Wasn't the 50 million, yeah, it was made up of the end of season payments that go to clubs based on the league position. I think if you're in the top half, you get, yeah. what was it, 200 and maybe it was just under 200 grand or something. I don't remember what it was. I think 250 springs to mind, but, it, but it's not... Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a it's it not was. a grant, so to speak, or, or or that sort of thing. It's kind of it's not a silver bullet for the log for the short medium term of, of clubs. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's... But they also said they'd make interest free loans available to clubs as well. So you could take a loan out that would cover the money that you would get from gate receipts, and then if you do get to play those games towards the back end of the year, let's say, then you could repay the loans with the the money that you get from those matches at that time so those types of things make sense but they'd have to ideally void those repayments if those games were never able to take place type thing sorry connor i cut you off there that's all right um um the oh, i can't remember what i was going to say now <laughs> i'm sorry the mind blank now you've cut like because of that jack um, jack anything on it yeah no just giving up on life Jack's on mute. Jack, take yourself off mute. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have to edit Sorry, this, I was but... having a sneezing fit. You can edit that out. Um... <laughs> no way. <laughs> He's got corona. No, I'm joking. No, don't say that. No, his sneeze is not part of it, so it's all good. Um, yeah, let's have a talk. Are we still talking about the finances? Because I'll, I'll talk about what Rob Wilson said, if you want. Yeah, go on. So on the, for a bit of context, last week we were saying we could try and get this chap on. He seems to know about football and finance. Well, right. yeah, we, we spoke about getting Dan Plumley on and, and Dan Plumley works with um, Rob Wilson, who is these, these two guys. I've, I've been in contact with them for a few years now as part of a, a group of uh, football scholars that I'm part of called the Football Collective. Um, and this is kind of a shameless plug, but if, if people um, want some interesting reads on various topics around football, then um, look at the Football Collective website. It's got some really interesting reads on there. And one of the most recent ones was around this uh, this um, whole coronavirus and football finance issue. And um, Rob, who again, who's also a, a football finance expert at Sheffield Harlem University, he, he came up with... Um, for a BBC article, he spoke about what his kind of approach to this would be, and he also tweeted about it, which was uh, kind of a, a slim-lined version of it. And he was basically looking at how top top-flight clubs could do, could donate 
2% of their broadcast income to the EFL and then yeah, the EFL yeah. could therefore across the various leagues in the EFL Championship League 1 League 2 distribute that money um, as well as that 50 million pound fund that we've just spoken about because obviously that 50 million pound fund is only money that clubs would be getting anyway but they're just pushing mm. it forward so yeah. if anything it's a very temporary intervention and doesn't really have any long term effects um isn't that what dam- the Colchester chairman said yeah. in in that yeah. article? Yeah, yeah, that's what the Col- yeah that's what the, the chairman pointed out. Um, yeah. But Rob Rob's point here is that you know the Premier League's broadcasting contracts at the moment for the current seasons is worth nine point two billion pound, right? So that's Liverpool and Manchester City alone received more than one hundred fifty million pound last season in TV money. If you know. Two percent of those of that broadcast income per Premier League club would be around what, like two point four million. You times that by twenty, and add that into the kitty that could then be pushed out to various clubs who need the cash flow. That would happily cover, you know, that would sort a lot of clubs out, especially over over the the period that would be away from football and away from the gate receipts and that sort of thing. So that's something that has been put forward by, I say, by an expert, and whether or not that's actually on the table as a as a feasible yeah. thing to happen is a different story, isn't it? You know, it's well and good someone's saying it. It, even it sounds... You know, Dan's on national news. You know, he might talk about it, but... Yeah, it, sound, it, really it sounds um, it sounds pragmatic. But doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It needs one of those... I know, I, I know it's a serious topic, but it needs one of those videos to go alongside it to just be like, just 2% will <laughs> give AFL club the ability to... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it does though, doesn't it? Because it's it's a plea to the Premier League, and we and the the Premier League have done some fantastic things in terms of uh, supporting various communities and that sort of thing. And you know, I'm the first person to kind of to jump on them, but this is where they need to step up now. This is where they'll we need, need a to good they'll looking. need a good line, good explanation why. Because this is all the thing that sounds 100 percent reasonable thing to happen and on face value without looking into it any any further to me it would seem like a positive thing to do but it's one of those things that probably won't happen but to everyone to every man and dog woman on the street i think sounds a good thing to do um yeah i'd like to see how they kind of backtrack or or sort of try and move past this because it it seems very like you say the figures are are nothing really yeah businessmen are businessmen for a reason aren't they it's like yeah it's not it's not it's not based on empathy it's like no uh, definitely not yeah definitely it's 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 capital accumulation and they don't like to lose that so the broadcasting uh, contract will be the unknown thing in this as well because someone eventually is going to turn around and say right you didn't play your games or you didn't do them in this period um there'll be commercial deals that will get split i was reading that apparently liverpool if the season's delayed, they will pick up the trophy in a Nike shirt because the Nike deal kicks in from like June the thirtieth. Yeah. Whereas yeah. they're currently in some other company, some other country um, company logo. Now that value to Nike is exponential for when they lift the title, but the current sponsor is going to be like, "Well, hang on a minute, we just lost our round the world moment." So there's there's yeah. all these things that yeah, are yeah. all sorts of battles about it. Um. Okay. There was. Did, did you guys watch KR's iFollow interview? Jack, did you see this? Yeah, very good, actually. Um, he got over quite effectively and simply what the club are doing and what they're facing and how they're having to react to the constant 
uh, kind of changes. Um, and it was really interesting, actually, to hear how detailed we are in keeping these players or trying to keep them fit whilst they're not playing football or not training and yeah. uh, how we can flex that plan depending on when the first game will be again. Didn't KR say he kind of like was, yeah, they put forward a training program that all the players have to go through at home. They catch up on like a conference call and then he checks in on them again later yeah. on in the day or something to be like, have you done your running? Yeah, he's <laughs> probably master stuff. Like he's proper kind of like online school, like children to be doing next week. Yeah. Um, I, as, uh, I think we're all intrigued <laughs> to what are these um games that Jamie Mackey will be, be running. I imagine they'll involve casual nudity or put your finger in the toast until you've done three three stretches or something like that. It's just going to end up with people's <laughs> I, houses. I missed this. And... What was it? Sorry. He's running so, games. So after the kind of organized 10 o'clock check-in, two hours of running around in your back garden or whatever, then in the afternoon, Jamie Mack has apparently come up with some games to sort of keep it fun or in the afternoon. And that's that was end of <laughs> sentence. So um, Amazing. We were kind of speculating as to what those might be. And obviously with Jamie Mackey, it's not going to be as simple as like, we'll do three three tricep exercises and then do a turnaround on the spot. It's going to be something ridiculous that involves minor damage to a house or something, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I'd absolutely love to see the Oxygen United WhatsApp group during this period. Like, could you imagine some of the videos that are being sent in? It would be hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Um. There was a good reference to the fact that what KR was saying during this kind of tough time that he obviously is going to encourage the players to get involved with the their communities wherever they're living to try and help help out as well, which is good. Um, and that that was about that. Any other news, chaps, before we move on? Don't okay. think so. Not that I'm aware of. No. Silence. Let's go. Right, we are. We've got some prime content here. This is filling the match review gap, so it's going to have to be great. I suppose we had a bit of a match review earlier of the the FIFA game, so maybe <laughs> that's fine. Right, who's going to go first? John, I vote you. So this is we're going to be talking about kind of worst games, favourite games, best, and then kind of a review of your view of away days in terms of best grounds and worst grounds. Then we'll go round and debate them. And we'll see. We'll see where we get to. We've had uh, people on Twitter get in touch as well, so we'll, we'll go through some of that um, if we've got time as well. Go nuts! Oh, I thought you were going to come up with a jingle or. or oh right, I don't have any jingle. This doesn't deserve a jingle. The final. No. Bit, what, what do you? Aww. What do you want? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Maybe, maybe not. Can't okay. cancel out. Well. Um... <laughs> Worst worst game. Let's let's go with it. let's get the bad ones out of the way first. Um, I went with the selection, but the one that springs to mind for me is always Bradford away in 2010, where we lost five, five nil. nil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I, sake. I had that on mine as well. Well, and the reason I remember it sticks in my brain is that I'd gone out the night before and kind of like crawled out of bed sort of 12 o'clock and thought, oh, do I want to go? Come on, get yourself over there. It's only Bradford. It's 20, 20 minutes away from where I lived at the time. So I got didn't know anyone that was going. So I just got, just got there and went to the game. Obviously, with 5-0, Wright gets sent off and Chryson gets sent off. Absolute, absolute horror show. 
And I've always been captain, never leave the game early. Never understood why people do it. I kind of, I can understand in a way why they do, but I've always been like, stay to the last minute. And this is the only game I've ever left early. I think I left in like the 85th minute or something like that. Um, but because of that, I managed to get back to Leeds in about 30 minutes flat. And I remember my housemate at the time saying to me, like, oh, I've seen you all afternoon. Have you been anywhere? No, nope, haven't been out. <laughs> I haven't been anywhere. Because I managed to basically get to the game, get home in like basically and include the game in like a four hour period. So I was like, nope, didn't happen. Just, we never just... we, we never have oh, I've been to Bradford like every single time we've we've played them since I've been up north, which is what, ten, eleven years or something. And we never seem to have I remember one good game where Pete Eleven scored a late penalty and we won two yeah. one. But otherwise it's been awful. It's just been con- I know Andy Wilmer said on Twitter as well, like the two nil defeat last season when they couldn't hit a barn door and they were just awful all season. And then they, it's just like when we played Berry as well. See, I, I love going to up... Bradford as like an, an away, an away day, not just cause it's so close to, to where I live, but the stadium, you get that sense of what it was like. We're in the premier league. There's amazing pubs on the way to the ground and it's just yeah. a nice one, but we've never, there's been few moments where it's been actually yeah. good results, but I, I was enjoyed going there. Can we also, shout out Bradford because that was the first time I met you guys was it Bradford away was that last year it that was, was yeah the 2-0 that was a 2-0 yeah was it? yeah it was the first time I ever yeah. met you because <clears throat> I went to that game on my own um, I travelled from York on my own and I remember leaving the stadium and I heard yeah. a group of you guys was saying oh we're getting <laughs> the next train to York and I turned to you and I was like you guys go to York and you were like, yeah. And then that was it. That was the first train journey home we had together. So that was obviously where I met you. So oh, it's so romantic. It was so romantic. Now, magic. now look at us. And now we're on a podcast. I know. Good old, good old Bradford yeah. bringing us together. That, that was, yeah, that was definitely on my list though, John, when I was thinking about it yesterday. I've never been, we were also like lower mid table with nothing really to play for. I know we weren't that far yeah. through the season, but it was just absolute cack. But anyway. I think I'd, I'd also have a special mention for the entire Brian Talbot era for, <laughs> for worst games. That was a particularly um, low point. But switching to switching to favourite one, I'm going to do my well one of my favourite ones really quickly, and then tell a story from the 2000 season because it's one of my memorable games. But I think one of the most favourite ones in recent times was the the three two win over Swansea in the FA Cup, and. I think the main reason why is because it was the first time we really started to get noticed about what we were building as a club. We got a lot of sort of beneath the skin analysis about what we were building in the club. Obviously, the game was amazing and you had Maguire, Lundstrom, Circum, Roof absolutely flying. But it felt like the sort of, it felt like one of the big games we hadn't had for years. And it was the first time people were actually Oxford, they're, they're starting to build something here. There's a project. They're not just that team that we remember being decent back in the day but have actually slipped down you know it was the kind of like oh they used to be in the conference type of stuff and it was like well actually no that's not what we're about this is what we're about and that was just a dark period so that's that was one that i always particularly liked but i mean i didn't go to that game did anybody actually go to that swansea game i just watched yeah i was i was there tv as well i was there yeah that's that's down as one of my favorite games as well it was a absolute electric atmosphere it was brilliant and when i mean I'll, I'll, I'll jump ahead to my bit now and very quickly as we're on this game when roof scored that counter-attack for 3-1 it 
it was absolute seams yeah. in the away end. I mean, I've yeah. got I've got down here that I lost in, some skin. in the away end. Uh, sorry, home end. Yeah, um, I was in the Oxford Mail stand actually that game, which is I don't normally sit there, so I was I was at the back, and um, or the Jim Smith stand, and um, I remember losing some skin on my shins for that one. That was a <laughs> that was a proper celebration. That was that was brilliant. Yeah. That was decent. I remember being in Arkansas in the US when that game was going on, and it was ridiculously early in the morning. I, I don't what they six hours behind. Is that right? I think. But yeah, I remember listening, yeah, yeah, t- yeah. tuning in, and just jumping around a hotel room for mm-hmm. that, which was it was fantastic. Um, but the other the other game I wanted to talk about, which is. Well, I've, I've just broken my own rule because when we were talking about doing this, I, I suggested let's not talk about all the obvious games and then I've just talked about a really obvious game in, in Swansea. This is one for me that was quite memorable from what was probably one of the most horrible seasons for a long time um, back in 2000. And I'd only just started sporting or going to games the season before in, in 99. Um, but that season 2000 was when we got relegated. We conceded over 100 goals. Mo- a lot of the players in our squad were nominations for the last pick PE, if anyone remembers that. Yeah. So we had Lee Jarman, McGuckin, Robertson, Andy Linnigan rocked up and he must have been about 90. So he used to play <laughs> for like Arsenal and stuff. Um, and if you chuck Steve Anthropus and Derek Lilly on top of that, there was bits and bobs in that team. We still had Joey and Pauly and Keith Andrews and Gary Monk were on loan and they and Matt Murphy was still ch- chugging around <laughs> at the middle of the pitch. But um but the results that season were just awful. The football was really predictable. You could see a defeat coming a mile away. We just got turned over all the time. If we, we got in the lead a few, quite a few times and it was just turned over. The attitude was, was horrible. Um, I remember Phil Gray, who was just an absolute, his attitude absolutely stunk and he just he was just awful. But anyway, the point is we've been losing games left, right and centre. We were coming up to the end of the, end of the season and um, it was um, not many games left at, left at the Manor. And left, sorry, left for the season. And we were playing Rotherham, who were the league leaders. And we, we, there was no way in hell we should have been winning that game. And Manny Omiimi came into the team. And <laughs> for anyone who remembers him, he was the most frustrating little player. But you just had this will going, go on, Manny, just, just make it happen, do something amazing. And he'd do something amazing and then yes, screw up the next bit. But in that game, he had an absolute worldie and scored, I think he scored a hat trick. And he scored the most amazing chip to put us 3-1 up. And they, they fought back a couple and then Andy Scott ended up winning. It was 4-3, but it was pure, like, didn't think that was going to happen. Pure enjoyment. Everything else was terrible, but for like 90 minutes, it had yeah. all come together and just Manny or Mimi had ripped it up. And um, that was kind of all we wanted, really. <laughs> Rosie, was... Rosie Dodds on Twitter said that as well. So she said that 4-0 game. I remember going down the East Stand and we were all on hips singing Let's All Have a Disco. So there you go. Were you one of those as well, John? I think she's referring to Rotherham this season because this was at the Manor. This is like years ago. Rotherham this season? There's no chance. We definitely didn't beat them 4-0. She's she's referring to the one where we lost 4-0 at home and we were 4-0 down at half-time against Rotherham probably five, six Ah. years ago. What's the score, sorry, in the one you were on about, John? 4-0 as it's well? 4-3. Four, 4-3, three. Four, three, sorry. Got you. Yeah, sorry, Rosie. So, I'm calling it all wrong. But, you know, it's, it was a good... I'm sure that's a worthy con- um, contribution for uh, an absolute shocker. But, yeah, but it was something about the fact that, that season, some of you will remember, was just 
absolutely dreadful and this one beacon of of an amazing performance came out and I'll, I'll always remember that one in what was a shocking season and we got relegated so <laughs> there, there we are okay. right Jack go on um, I'll go worst game first there's a there's a, there's a few um, I used to hate going to Scunthorpe because we went through a stage <laughs> of letting late goals in there and it would always be Steve Torpy or Peter Beagree. They just caused us issues for about five seasons in a row. Um, Peter Oldham. It's always cold at Oldham, so that's just doesn't matter what the game's like. That's just crap. Um, there's two that stand out for me. One is Bristol Rovers at home at the Manor. I can't remember what season it was, but we lost 5-1. Uh, Nathan Ellington scored a hat-trick for Bristol Rovers. And by the end of the game, the Oxford fans were olaying Bristol Rovers every time they passed the ball. <laughs> so that, that, Nathan Ellington. Yeah, that's, that sticks yeah. out. But the one that I think tops everything is Friday the 8th of August, 2008, AFC Barrow 3, Oxford United 0. <laughs> we <laughs> truly embarrassed ourselves live on Satanta. I stupidly made a decision to go... Um, James Clark got sent off about just before half time. Uh, then we conceded three goals in ten minutes in the second half, including a free kick from about forty yards. Um, we had players playing for us like Michael Husbands came on. Uh, Rob Davies played his only forty-five minutes for us, and then was never seen again. Um, Barrow is just grim. There's one road in, one road out. Uh, we got started on by some blokes with pool cues after the game. It was just <laughs> every, everything. I, I, had a sto- I had a story like that. That chest, One of my games, I'm just going to jump to it now, but one of the games that I was going to talk about is that Chesterfield 3-0 defeat that, oh, you know, yeah. when, when oh. Mickey Lewis was in charge before yeah. Waddock came in, I think. Yeah. And mm. um, but I, we, always, we reference that game all the time on this pod. But that was absolutely horrendous. Had two sendings off. But the re- the reason why it really stuck in the memory is that after the game, we were walking back towards the tra- train station and a bunch of lads ran out of a pub and came and they were like, oh, come in, come in the pub. We'll get you a free pint. And we were like, oh, yeah, OK, sounds great. <laughs> like just completely <laughs> ignorant to anything or just yeah, naive. Went, went in and then you could see in the, the other side of the pub, someone was just on his phone and they were just calling a bunch of lads to come and kick the crap out of us. And um, we ended up working out what was going on, and then basically just shifting back into into town and got got away. But shifting, when we st- tried, it. when when we tried to leave, the blokes were like, "No, no, don't leave, don't leave, mate, don't leave." And then they started getting proper aggro when they realised we were away because they were calling their little firm in. But God, oh, what a lovely place! It was nice when we went there a year or two later, and then beat them five nil, and McElhenney scored a hat trick, and so that was very pleasant. So. Anyway. Ches Vegas is lovely when you win. I don't know. I'm really not sure about that. <laughs> anyway. UWKD Blues is the uh, centre of it. <laughs> Crooked Spire. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, Jack. Uh, and then kind of favourite games, or I've c- kind of got a lot of the... I've got little anecdotes for me. So you mentioned the Bradford away win where Pete Eleven scored late on. Um, that was... The first game I seen us win in across five years. So being at uni and stuff and school and A levels, etc., it was something like twenty games over five years. I'd not seen us win. Um and eleven yeah, eleven scored a late penalty at literally in stoppage time. So that sticks yeah. out as kind of a memorable one. 
And then there's a couple of others. Um, Millwall at home in February 2001. My only memory of this game is Millwall's substitute, I've just found on Soccer Base, was called Christoph Kine. And before he uh, came on, he dunked his head in a bo- uh, in a bucket of water so he could do his hair before coming on. <laughs> I was sat in the family stand at the manor just behind the away dugout and I would have been, what, 10 or something. I couldn't believe it. And then the other one that sticks out for me, because it was just justice for us, uh, Huddersfield Jack, away. Sorry, was... Jack, sorry, was that the game where um, Moody scored against us as well? Uh, yeah, quite possibly. We did lose it. I think it was 2-0. Yeah, because Rich Hanna on Twitter, like I was, I've got that on my list of games to be my worst game. And um, Rich Hanna messaging on Twitter as well to, to flag it up. And he just said how bad we were, like boys against men, moody score, which I remembered. And I remember being so cold in the Beach Road Terrace that I couldn't watch the game. It was <laughs> We were so bad. I was so cold and I couldn't concentrate on that game. It was... um. It's amazing what you remember, really, isn't it? So yeah, sorry, yeah. And on. then the the other one that I was just going to mention, uh, Christmas time, two thousand three, we played Huddersfield away, um, and we were one nil down. And Julian Allsop went up for a header with Effie Soji, if you remember him, the bandana wearing Nigerian, yeah. and uh, he went down as if he'd been hit by a truck. No one knew what on earth had gone on. The ref just decided Allsop had done something. Uh, it got sent off. And our decision at that point was to bring on Mark Rawl as a sub. And from the oh, corner, about a minute later, his first touch, he bullet, bulleted a header into the top corner to equalise. And then we kind of shit-housed our way to a point. Um, but that always just sticks in my mind. I just remember Sodji like, rolling about on the floor as if he'd been shot. <laughs> <laughs> there were many, Mar- many, many Sodgers, weren't there? Yeah, many. Yeah, yeah. there was about five of them. And didn't they all wear We had one of them on well? loan, didn't we? Yeah, we had Onomi on loan. Which was the one at Berry? Was that? I don't remember. That, that was Effie. The, there was one at Berry. Effie's well. the one who wears the bandana. Yeah, Sam got done for match fixing. <sighs> yeah. Is that one like oh, Oc- Christmas Oc- must Oc- be exciting. But yeah, shout, shout out to Mark Hall. Absolutely love This is the, the Sodge. Sodge pod. Sodge pod, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You probably could. There's enough content to do a pod about the Sodges, surely. <laughs> That's next week's episode, folks. Next week, yeah. yeah. Episode 34, Sodge. <laughs> um, is that it, Jack? And then I think the only other one someone tweeted into us um, was the final game of the 97-98 season away at Middlesbrough. I think they needed to win to confirm promotion to the uh, Premier League. They beat us yeah. easily 4-1 with a team containing Paul Merson, Paul Gascoigne, Nigel Pearson, uh, Andy Townsend, a whole lot of kind of big names. Um, yeah. And I think someone on Twitter said that when we scored, Nicky Banger from about 25 yards, I can still see the goal in my mind. Uh, we all started singing, we're going to win 5-4. Um, they have that annoying goal music, that Papa's got a brand new pig bag song which obviously we'd heard four <laughs> times that day already. So all the Oxford fans just started doing it ourselves to celebrate Banger's goal. <laughs> yeah, that was um, Rob Mitchell on Twitter. And then uh, Marky Mark came back and said, yeah, we we're going to win 5-4. A lot of people called him Nicky Banger, didn't they? Loved referring to him as Banger. I think that's what the commentators generally called him anyway. 
Um, nice one. Connor, what about yourself? You said you're going to have more of a cup theme for this. I, I'm going to have a cup theme for the favourite games, definitely. Um, and for the other the other things, again, most of these are kind of contemporary-esque era, um, I, I guess, because obviously my age and that sort of thing and, and the fact that I never went to the manor, unfortunately, because I wasn't old enough. Um, but I think for worst games, I'm going to be cliche and I am going to go there because it just sticks to my mind like anything. It's the defeat to Leighton Orient that obviously sent us down in 2006. And oh, that's too cliche. I know it is, but... Too easy. But just hear me <laughs> out, man. I just remember sitting there on the South Stand Lower with my with my dad. He's got his arm around me, and I was... I, I mean, I was only a kid at this... Well, a baby at this point. You almost, okay, son? Yeah, well, I was ten, I think 9, 10, and I was sobbing my eyes out, literally. I just remember it like it was yesterday, you know, banging the seat and that. And he's got his arm around me, and then my dad started crying as well. It was just one of those moments when you realise, like, we've got we've got to stick through this, we've got to get through this thing. And obviously, here we are, X amount of years later, still supporting Oxford. And also for that for that game, it was Lee Steele that scored the winning goal, and he was an ex Oxford player. So that's kind of a, a nail in the coffin, wasn't it? For that one. Uh, and also after not, the game, not a great day. No, and after the game, there was a lot of trouble between the fans. And I remember that me and my family couldn't get to our car or anything. And, and then, like, basically, my whole family just became ridiculously upset because we couldn't go home because <laughs> the police had like cordoned off part of the uh, uh, out the back of the away fans, and we couldn't get round to our car. So it was an absolute diabolical day all were, over. Were you, were you not in the mood for bowling? You could have gone in the bowling. No, box. no, definitely not. Definitely no. not. I don't think the okay. ballplex was there at 2006, was it? I do not remember. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Um, another kind of very recent game that I remember really, really fr- frustrating me. I don't know if it was one of the worst games ever, but it was one that kind of stuck to my mind as soon as since this was brought up was um, was last year when when we lost four nil to Barnsley on the first first day of the season because it was obviously you know first game expectations. Everyone's so excited for it. Me and my dad made the journey from Oxford, so yeah, you know, it's a bit of a trek up to Barnsley, and, and we were all. Yeah. Again, the first 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 game of the season buzz, and then just to get smacked four 0 and it's just one of those moments <laughs> when you just go, oh right, okay, well that was pointless. Like, why have we just travelled oh. all this way to watch that crap? It was awful. That I, I remember being with uh, a mate. I've got a mate called Paul, who's a big Barnsley fan, season ticket holder, and it was me, him, and a few others, probably in the Yorkshire Yellows group now that went to. I think Ben was with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were just talking ourselves up to Paul yeah. and then to all of his other Barnsley mates we're like yeah yeah we've got yeah. a good chance we're gonna smash it this season <laughs> da, 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 da. and you just get there and I think their bloke scored two identical goals yeah, from like outside the box. yeah, like yeah. 20 minutes and then you're like ah oh, yeah, and it was, oh, it it was, was awful. you're right it's it a was, good show it was when we got it was when we signed Samir Carruthers and we were all like oh yeah he's a baller he's a baller and then Within what I think it was within like seven yeah. minutes, he's out for basically Injured. the entire season. <laughs> we we're like, right, this has gone yeah. really well. So that was one of the games that kind of just stuck out. Um, and I know I've mentioned this game before, but I think by far the most ridiculous game I've ever been to as an Oxford fan was Gateshead away in December 2013. <laughs> yeah. it's on my list I, as well. I have to put it in here because I did <laughs> I did this twice. So I worked out today <laughs> that I travelled. 1,022 miles to watch one Dean Smalley penalty from extra time hit the back of the net. Because for anyone who doesn't know, this game was originally uh, played on a Saturday 
um, and travelled up from Oxford to Gateshead with a friend of mine uh, on the Oxford United coaches. We got there, it had been raining, hailing all day, got to the ground, game was called off. So, and one thing that always sticks in my mind about this actually was the catering staff at Gateshead gave us free pies, which was amazing. So we had our little pie and then we turned around and came all the way back to Oxford and watched no football. It was then rearranged for a Tuesday night, the following Tuesday, and the, the lad I went with, um, Rob, he didn't go. He didn't want to go. He was like, I'm not, I'm not doing it again. So I jumped in a car with one of my dad's mates and, and he drove me up. And I remember there was probably, I, I don't even know, I'll tell you how many Oxford fans there were, but there weren't many. You could probably count it on, on uh, two sets of hands. And, um, <laughs> and, and just going all the way back up there again. And obviously the game was nil-nil in normal, normal time, went to extra time. And then, as I said, Dean Smalley slotted that penalty away. I think it was the 113th minute, something like that. Yeah. And I yeah. just remember it was freezing cold. I was dying. Were you on the pitch? The, no, because no, we were up high. Because obviously, you know the, you know the ground yeah, the play has yeah. got running track. Yeah. So we were so high up uh, in the stands. And I remember just dropping to my knees when that ball hit the back of the neck. Because I was like... I can go home. I've you know, I've travelled <laughs> over a thousand miles, yeah. and all I've seen is one goal. Um, but it's those sort of games when it's like you know that's when you realise that you're addicted to your club and you love them regardless. Because no rational human would want to do that. Why the why would you want to travel that far just to see one goal? Um, and we were. Was I was brilliant. at that game as well, and we were so god awful that when that penalty was given. I was pissed off because I was like, because it was getting to like towards the yeah. end of extra time, and I was thinking, well, yeah. at least we're going to see some penalties, bit of bit of drama, and then all we got was like one, crappy Dean Small penalty, penalty and, <laughs> and that was it. And I was there in my work suit, tiny little coat, and like yes, you know, work smart shoes that were just not. It was painful. Like I was next to you, like keeling over. Yeah, I love it how me and you were at that game, and obviously now further down the line when I'm doing this together it's it's pretty cool I'm sure obviously we've at one point we've probably all been at games together before we knew each other but also John I don't yeah, know if you remember I mean, from that in... game do you do you remember the inflatable cock for that game oh, oh vaguely because no, <laughs> um, there was someone you brought... tell us that was yours it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. No, someone brought an inflatable cock, and everyone was just like throwing it around between like the twenty-four Oxford fans that were there. It was a, it was a good, it was a good laugh. It was a good laugh. A great away day that was. It was um, ironic because we all had our hands down our trousers to keep warm. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It was so cold that night. I well, I'm, if it makes you feel better, Connor, I, I was in a hotel ten minutes from the ground. But after that, oh, yeah, you know. yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> it's dedication. Ah. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, um, good. Are you going to leave on a positive note, Connor? Well, I've got I've got some of my favourite games um, very Connor. quickly. Um, the Swansea one, as you said, was taken, and again, this is kind of a cup special. Um, obviously, the the three nil Newcastle win at home, which was a, a fantastic game. I was at that one as well. All of these games, I was I was at. Um, and the, the the thing I loved about the Newcastle game at home was just the Tony Martinez header. Do you remember that header? Yeah, the and glancer. The glancer. It's so satisfying to watch it back. I watched it back today, and it was absolutely beautiful. And then his incredible knee slide celebration that was just you know trademark Tony Martinez. And that kind of leads on to the the next one. Although it was a loss, but the uh, the three two Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough game was obviously a mention oh, where, the, day. where, you know, 
limbs, the absolute limbs were forged after our comeback in that in that game with obviously the the great free kick from Maguire and then the uh, Tony Martinez goal as well. It was a it was a great day, but it was just such a shame that we didn't come away with the yeah. the win. I I've I honestly don't think I've gone that mental at a game uh, before. Yeah, it was. I, I was pretty drunk yeah. as well. I think but it was fantastic. I think the only thing that could rival that for me was um, winning one 0 at Gateshead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but sure. I think the the last the last one I've got on for the for the cup special was the the Brentford away game um, where we won four oh, nil. Four yeah. nil. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and um, I watched that back today as well, and the. The Hilton back pass goal. I don't know if you remember that, where he he charged down the goalkeeper from a back pass, and the keeper just boots it at his shins, and it rifles in the back of the net. But, Didn't Roof score from like the halfway yeah, line? Yeah, and Roof scored that absolute beauty. Yeah, where the goalkeeper cleared it, and he just literally took one touch, set it up straight volley, straight foot volley, beautiful oh. dipping goal. And I was right at the front of the um, the Brentford away end, and I really like Brentford Stadium. Because James, you were there, weren't you? Not long ago, you walked past it. Yeah, 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 it's really nice. It's, yeah, a, really, it's a shame they're going away. Yeah, it's such, it's such a, like a old school football ground, but it's it's really nice. And I remember just going it's, absolutely insane when that one went in, that roof goal. It's a bit like that South End. They've got like one of the smallest like two tier stands behind yeah. the goal. Like South End have got one of them as well. Yeah, it, yeah, it's might, a really nice enclosed stadium. Yeah, that that stand reminds me of Hereford United stand. They've got one on the side of the pitch that's a bit like that. Like where it's like if you're on the top, if you're on the top tier, you literally can't see the people below you. Like there's yeah, no yeah. there's no sort of length in the stand. Um are we doing worse grounds and stuff now? Can I, can I just Let's want, do it. Let's do it we'll at the end. We'll do it at the end. We'll do the end. Cool. All right, that's me done so then my... for, for, cup, <laughs> for cup specials. So I've already spoiled the one that I was going to talk about, which is the three nil defeat in I think it was twenty thirteen fourteen season, but it was the obviously the season where Wilder left, and I, I went. I remember feeling such rage and disappointment on the back of this game, and I couldn't really re- work out why. But it was kind of you know, John, you were talking about how back in what was it Talbot's era where we were just on a spiral of downwards, just you know, just predicted us to lose all the time. Um, that was we got to a place, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. this season we actually started so promisingly. Wilder left us in January of 2014, I think, and we were in sixth place after 26 games. We were two points off the automatic places. And it's so weird thinking about that unrest with Wilder, considering we were still in that possession position. Yeah. Five games later, so Mickey Lewis took charge, we were in the top three. Um but basically, we then went on a six-game winless run for which that Chesterfield 3-0 defeat was the last one in that run. So we were obviously down in the dumps. We we basically moved eight points away from the automatics. And then you could tell at that time we were just going to fluff it. Like, we weren't getting in the playoffs. And we ended up going from being in third place in the, you know, in January or February to being eight. I think it was nine points away from York who were finished in the final playoff spot. Um, but yeah, we had two men sent off. Who was it? Tom Newey, Connor, your favourite. Michael Rains also got <laughs> sent off within a few minutes, two minutes of each other or something. And then we ended up with eight men as Johnny Mullins went off injured as well. We were just absolute trash in that game as that, well. And it was just, oh. That was the season where, um, as you say, we were flying high and Ryan Williams got interviewed after a game and said, 
oh, it would take a, a, an awful lot for us to totally miss out on the playoffs now yeah. and like <laughs> yeah. essentially set the club a challenge and we, we managed to do it. Oh, there's no way we're not going to make it, mate. No, <laughs> no problem. No dramas. <laughs> no bother. Please, please, can you just say for anyone that doesn't know, Ryan Williams is Australian. People that don't know that. Um, we're going to... We, sorry, we only won two out of our last 15 league games in that, that season. And oh. like I said, you could see that coming. And Waddock, John, have a guess at what Gary Waddock's record was in the league after he after he took charge. I think he took charge in March, so we had eight games left. What do you reckon he did? He didn't win any, did he, right? Didn't he? No, we, we won one game away at Plymouth, Plymouth which was yeah. 2-0. Kitson and Bino scored. But we and all know lost... what, what he did do, though, which was uh, signing Danny Hilton. So uh... He did, yeah. But he did lose seven, seven games out of eight. But there you go. So... I kind of forgot what his record was like, be it that his ten- tenure was so small. But um, anyway, I've got a little theme for the rest of it. My other like awful game that I went to was a Tuesday night in Luton in what ended up being a fantastic season for us, 20, 2009 and 10. And there's a theme for this for one of my fantastic moments as well. But Matt, Gr- I don't know if you remember this. So Stevenich, we were top of the league. Stevenich were just a little, a few points behind us, but catching up. And this game, obviously the games against Luton were the big kind of massive games of the conference, right? Um, Matt Green scored on 71 minutes and that away end just absolutely erupted. And we were obviously then putting a bit of breathing space between us and Stevenage and obviously they went on to win the league eventually. Luton got like equalised on 93 minutes, which is obviously so painful you know when you're about to you, you, we were already like singing the songs as if you've won the game in the away way end right um so we when they scored that we were absolutely devastated but what we didn't think would happen was on the 96th minute they scored directly from a corner uh it was absolutely awful we lost 2-1 and obviously we had a bit of a blip um that season then as well but was, that, was anyone was that else at game- that was that the game where the Luton fans started fighting with themselves because they couldn't get to the Oxford fans and caused thousands of pounds of damage to their own stadium? Or was that a different... Didn't different that happen game? every time we played that? Oh, well, probably. Much. But there was a there was one particular one that I remember because they, they almost like... They published or someone came out with the fact that like you do realise you basically just trashed your own stadium. Um, but it was during that sort of right heated rivalry where we were playing them and it was like... yeah. Oxford Luton most seasons. I remember going to Stevenage one one year around that time. That's uh, yeah. god awful ground. I forget what I, I think we lost one nil when we went to their place that year. That is a yeah. I'm glad you said that. That is on my list of horrendous places to go as an away experience. Jesus Christ! It's in a retail park called Roaring Meg. And if there was ever a retail park name that tells you to stay away, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, um, it's on, it's on anyway. my list. Positive uh, result again. Yeah. Positive result, though, um, in terms of favourite games. I'll start with the Luton one. So, again, the games against them were absolutely massive. It was another Tuesday night game. Um, We had them, yeah, at home. We beat them 2-0. But do you remember, I'm sure you guys remember, Bino, we got penalty early on first half. Bino stood up to take it. I forget what their keeper was called now. Let's get Mark me. Tyler. Mark Tyler, that's it. He saved it. And there's just the best, if you haven't ever seen it, yeah. people listening, go and bloody watch it. There's a video on YouTube. It's called High to Low in, 
45 seconds or something. Mark Tyler saves the penalty and all of the Luton fans are giving it, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And they're absolutely loving life. And then literally That's... within 40 seconds, we're back down. <laughs> Matt Green crosses it in and Bino scores and he runs straight towards it's the Luton so fans. Good. That video is straight literally towards... gold oh. dust in it. That's so good. I love it. <laughs> it is it's one of the best I was at that game and I was like you kind of said earlier I was right at the top of the east stand right in the one of the corners and I just remember going absolutely mental and the best bit about it our second goal was Jamie Cook and he obviously came back in because of the 12th man fund kind of funded you know coming back and he did this beautiful little thing where the ball the ball was played to him on the ground he pointed in a certain direction and then just completely took the defender out and he just pulled the ball back and just lashed it home from like 25 yards or something but that was such a massive game because similar to kind of what John was saying about that Swansea game you suddenly felt like the club was really on the march again and um, I remember th- th- ever since then, I've just obviously there was before that as well, but we've always kind of been going in one direction and it was a massive thing. Um, other, other than that, I had um, my first game at home, my first league game that I went to at home was at the Manor. We beat Southend 5-0. And then the final game that season as well, we beat Barnsley 5-1. They'd already got promoted, but they always stick in my mind. And then um, my first away game was Forest away in the 97-98 season. Wow. And um, we beat them 3-1. They were top of the league. They'd only lost twice at home. This is when they had like Pierre Van Hoydonk. He scored a penalty in that game and stuff like that. But Joey scored a couple of unbelievable goals. I think one of them was just nuts. Real like huge individual effort from him, kind of cutting in and drilling it in off the post. But yeah, that was absolutely nuts. I just thought that was what an Oxford fan was like, you know, it was just you're kind of in the championship. You're beating Forest away. And I think we I think we beat Man City looking back two seasons in a row at Main Road. Um, yeah, Jamie Cook scored. Amazing. They got one relegated of one of those. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah just he, burst into, he just burst into the team like he looks about well <laughs> about 16 years old on that. And then I remember he came back and scored that cracker against Crawley. I think it was as well. But yeah, but that was Man City how they how they used to be. Yeah. Um, in terms of grounds then, so Stevenage was absolutely on my list as my least favourite place to go. But I had Scunthorpe, Fleetwood, uh, Morecambe. And actually Morecambe was kind of all right. Crawley yeah. was the other one that I've been to that I just mm. just know. But what, what do you reckon, chaps? Any what, What's going to beat Stevenage as an away Man- day experience? Eastbourne Borough. Mansfield. Eastbourne Borough? Okay. Eastbourne was... An absolute state. Isn't that nice? Uh, Isn't it like on the south coast? Oh yeah, but that's all right. But the ground was shit. But also, I remember this one that stuck out for me in particular. It was actually a very specific game. Why it sticks out for me was in 2010 we went to Eastbourne away and I lost. Uh, sorry, we lost one nil, and I was taken ill during the game. Like I had to like leave the stadium because I was ill, and. My 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 dad stayed and watched the game, and then my mum was the one who came, like took me out. So my dad was like, "Ah, oh, son, I'm watching a football." So it was, it was just. Uh, but the thing is, is we were we were on like a little weekend away, and um, there was a family who were who were Oxford fans, and they knew that I was ill, and they parked their caravan or like their car or mobile home thing in the car park, 
So I left the stadium with my mum and they gave us the keys to their to their like camper van thing. So I went and like threw up all over their camper van <laughs> like at Eastbourne away. So Eastbourne is like one of the dead places for me. I'm like that bad bad memory. What a lovely story. Yeah, I thought everyone would love to know that because it's just, you know, we're talking stories here. These are memories. These are memories. Oh, did you say Mansfield, John? I, I kind of agree with that. My missus is from there and it's a it's an asshole of a place. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I doubt they listen to this podcast. Say, family. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, just just remember uninspiring drive after uninspiring drive down there, bin your car in some industrial estate next to it, tight grounds, yeah. and then just lots of games where, like, I particularly remember Dave Kitson just swanning around, like pinging balls, and just our oh, rest of the team not being up to it either. But what I did remember about that ground is that. They had three stands and then on one side where there was up against the houses, they had sort of like part of a stand that was a bit terraced, but they didn't seem to use it. But there was a big open white wall in the kind of the middle of the next to this terrace stand. And they'd yeah. filled it with tiny adverts for like Gary's plumbing and Jim's. Yeah, it's still like shop. that, I think. Yeah. And but there was, you know, this is like six foot high wall. But with like signs that were probably like Carrie's plumbing. So it's like, like every single like inch on this wall was filled up with these adverts for like local firms. And you were looking at it going like, hats off to the commercial team for selling all these spaces. But which idiot thought it'd be a good idea to advertise a tiny little plaque next to 50 other plaques? And I was like, that's what always stuck with me is how Tim Pot it was. But yeah, Mansfield. <laughs> Awful, Stevenage. Awful, Scunthorpe. I agree with you on on that. It's just a, it's just a yeah. rubbish stadium. Can... It's just it's just breeze blocks and a I, bit of. I don't. Oh. I usually don't mind so much about the actual stadiums themselves, so long as like the actual day out is all right. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Can... But like it's like Accrington. I quite enjoy Accrington because it's you get to go on the terrace and there's a few decent yeah. pubs nearby. So it's like yeah, that's fine. I agree with that. Accrington's it's all right. Like... Can I add? Can yeah. I add Newport County to that? Yes. Newport County may. is an absolute, like you said, an arse of a place. Newport is an arse of a place. And so is so is the ground. Awful. The groundsmen clearly need to be sacked because their pitch is awful all the time. Sort like, it's so <laughs> bad. Has, um, has anyone been to Grimsby? Yes. Cold. Go on, Jack. Uh, tell us about Grimsby. Cold. Very cold. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so cold. It's such a horrible place. They don't even play in Grimsby. Oh really? Where yeah, I'm playing Cleethorpes. Okay, I've literally never been. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, it's apparently it's something like if you stand at the back of the uh, away end, you can see the North Sea, which makes it one of the only grounds in the UK football where you can see the sea or something. There's a fantastic bit of information for you. <laughs> I like it. Um, you I, don't see I the sea just... from Hartlepool. Say again. Hartlepool. Well, maybe you couldn't technically see the sea, but that was right next to it. Yeah, that's pretty close as well, yeah. Um, I was just going to throw in um, a Exeter's away end before they've redone it when it was just like four steps and they had to leave <laughs> the mid the middle of it clear if the ambulance needed to come in. Um, any, any, any ground that's an athletic stadium. So when Rotherham were playing at the Don Valley, that was just yeah. awful. Gates um, <laughs> I do remember, I, and then there's just grounds where the away facilities are just crap. So you turn up and think, oh, I've just paid 25 quid to get in here. Peterborough, for example. 
Um, Gillingham's golf golf stand and Gillingham's a foul place. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I remember going to Blackpool. Golf stand. <laughs> it's true though, isn't it? It's true. I remember going to Blackpool Bloomfield Road before they re- redid it, and um, the away end just. It was so bad. There was like bits of broken glass, like sticking out of the terrace steps and stuff, and half of them were crumbling. There was a big hole in the like middle of it where loads of advertising boards just like collapsed, like a sinkhole. Um, it was yeah, it was just like a big concrete bank almost. It was horrible. Um, and I don't like going to Bristol Rovers either because they shove you in the corner. Yeah. Although it's a terrace, which I normally like, it's an absolutely horrendous view. Yeah, it's a, um, but Bristol, add, Bristol for an away day is quite nice. Yeah, you can add Wimbledon to that list in terms of can't see it any. Can't see oh it. yeah, Christ! I mean, this season when I went to Wimbledon, I missed half the game. I couldn't even see anything. Like Josh Ruffles didn't exist. <laughs> you just, you know, you, you pay twenty quid and you're watching half a game. Like it's like it's ridiculous. But that oh was a God. that was kind of a a rant that my dad wanted me to go on because I rang him earlier and I told him about this and he went, you've got to say Wimbledon. He was like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, hey, all right, dad, I'll stick Wimbledon down for you. I always bad. like Wimbledon for the ticket announcement because it's like, Oxford United have been allocated 694 terrace places and 12 seats. It's like brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, it's like they could advocate, they could give us more seats, but they just give it to flags instead. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, flags take priority over humans and want, you know, get your, get your cash through the door, which they clearly need. And they still chose to like, oh no, we'll give like 500 seats to flags. But it's, you know, the, the fans will only have 12. Right. Looking on, um, on Twitter just because we forgot to run through some of the other people's comments around kind of worst games and best games and that. So um, Nick Burks uh, was saying worst was Exeter away in 84. Were you at were you at that, Connor? 80, anyway, 84? he said we lost. Wait, I, yeah, I was, wasn't alive then I was going to say, oh, really? You weren't? <laughs> bloody hell. That no. must be a long time ago then. I'm... Um, yeah, I'm 87. There you go. Anyway, we lost 3-1. It says it poured down all day. We were in the open end. Um, so that's a reference to what Jack's just said, basically, isn't it? That your way end must have been tragic. Andy Thomas scored goal disallowed. He collided with the keeper when scoring and broke his leg. Awful day all <laughs> round, he says. <laughs> um, Not great. Paul... Paul Matthews, Vegas Sox, says Brentford away, New Year's Day 2001. Awful performance, 3-0 defeat. Huge abuse to the team. As the t- as the tunnels was by the away end, and the bloke next to us set fire to his Oxford scarf and threw it on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> wow, amazing! Um, Matt Butler uh, said, "Love that we were doing the pod even in these tough times. No worries, Matt. We enjoy doing it. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll keep them coming. Don't worry." He's he said. Um, he particularly, he's talking, this is a positive, he said he particularly loved watching a smash Dorchester 9-1 in 1995 and he didn't realise as a young fan that it was a it was a cup game. So he just thought that was what all, all games were like. Um, amazing. Uh, Tim Andrews uh, said, uh, worst game, uh, 2009 in October, Blue Square at home. Uh, so Blue Square Premier, God, I thought it was called Ooh. that. At home to Torquay, 3-0 up. At, I remember this, 3-0 up at half time and drew 3 all. Um, and he says the best was, oh, it's a good shout this actually, York on opening day, um, August 2009, 1-0 down until an 88th minute equaliser. Who remembers who that was? Who scored that goal? There's a fantastic what, picture. the winner? It, there? The winner, yeah. Crichton, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. Beast. <laughs> Beast. 
Richard Brody scored in that game. John, do you want to talk about Richard Brody at all? Oh, no, we can't have any more Richard Brody appreciation. <laughs> um, is that that? I think that's pretty much all the all the feedback we got. Um, if you, if anyone else has any shouts around like awful game, awful grounds to go to, then please let us know. Um, I think the best best grounds we haven't really covered. I know we're e- eating into time. It might be that we need to shift this topics thing to next week to give us something to do next time. <laughs> but there you go. Best grounds I put down. Um, I really like Pompey. I really enjoy going there, especially yeah. as like an away fan as well. Yeah, I and agree um, with that. I really. I think this may be slightly kind of because of a, a recent result, but Lincoln, I quite enjoyed. That's on my well. list as well. Yeah, I just didn't, you know, sitting by the uh, river or whatever it was um, with a few beers after the game, um, looking really smug as locals walked past after you just beat them 6 0. But actually, all the locals were dead friendly, right? They were all kind of congratulating yeah. us. And there's nothing like that feeling as that like exotic away supporter when you're just like strutting through a town centre after after a big win. <laughs> Amazing. What 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 about you guys, Connor? What are your favourite grounds to I, go to? I really really like Portsmouth. That was definitely on my list. It was actually the top one on my list because I've done obviously being living in Oxford um, for well for pretty much all, all my life. Um, over the last four years, I've been very close to Portsmouth and I obviously did my undergraduate degree in, South, in Southampton. So I was really close to Pompey. So that was never really far to go. And it was, it's just a really, really nice sort of away day. And I love the pubs and I think the away fans are actually really friendly. And I, I've always had a good time at Pompey. They're great. Yeah. Um, again, this is quite controversial. I think people are going to disagree with me, but I really liked Sunderland because oh. I know, I know, I know, because I think the stadium is, is a really nice stadium and it's got that like it's it's weird to say this but when you go there i feel like you have that kind of like you want to you want to be a, a like a, a giant killer type team even though they're not big team anymore but it's just that feeling like their fans are so passionate and they're, they're so up for it all the time and you kind of just want to go there and shut them up it's one of those and also those their fans are fantastic so um i kind of brought in rationale between some of the choices were around the fans and i think that sunderland fans are brilliant i've always had a good time yeah, atmosphere makes makes a big yeah. difference and, it? and it's not even just the atmosphere it's it's in the pubs and that sort of thing chatting to people it was really really good and i had a very similar experience to that with doncaster as well doncaster was was really good fun when we went this year just speaking to away fans oh. and that sort of thing i know this is the thing i'm not on necessarily just about the grounds but the people and the clubs, there's more. You know, there's more to football than just the grounds and, and watching people kick football on the pitch. The fans are brilliant. I, I think Donny's one of the worst <laughs> experiences. Apart, yeah. what did we do last Again, time? I, Went in the weather spoons, and then you have to yeah. get a cab. Or... Well, that's, I mean, this is the thing: is my my rationale wasn't just just to do with that. A lot of it was to do with the fans. Yeah. Um, Fair I, enough. I didn't really, to be honest oh. with you, I didn't really put many down. Um, what What about you guys, John, Jack? Where do you I, most uh, like to do? When the fixtures come out, what are you looking for? Well, I um, I kind of slightly split this into like newer grounds that I've been to that I really like. So I really liked Rotherham's new ground, and yeah. I know the Macron, I know the Macron Stadium for Bolton's not that new in, in real terms, but it, they've both managed to generate that feeling of being high but quite close to the pitch, and then. Rotherham's probably better build up in terms of like stuff to do around Bolton. There isn't there isn't much, but 
I always really liked going to um to York, and again, that's not because of geography and it's twenty minutes down the road. But <laughs> in terms of the, in terms of the build, oh. in terms of the build up, yeah. like for the the pubs and like the fact you can oh. walk down to the ground just out of the out of the stadium, and it's kind of still in that sort of housing estate thing. Right. Obviously, the Kit Kat Crescent thing was hilarious at the yeah. time. Um, and it was kind of, it, but it was a it was a it's such a such it was of its shame. age though, because it. It was when we were in the lower divisions, and it is well. I mean, it's soon to be no more, but um, it, it kind of felt of its time. Um, it, it's such a shame that they're moving to that. They're basically for people that don't know, they're listening. They're doing kind of similar to Oxford. So at the moment, their ground is a ten-minute walk from the city centre, where obviously there's a plethora of amazing pubs. Yeah. And they're they're shifting over to Monk's Cross, which is a retail park in the north north side of the ring road of the city. And it's just next to a big John Lewis and an MS that the ring road won't be able to handle traffic and there's no it's gonna be limited parking. It's just gonna be awful. And that it's nearly done. But Jack, you probably know about this. It's just a shame, isn't it? Well the yeah, it's a massive shame. It's gonna be a big miss on the kind of football circuit if you like but yeah the, the new ground's going to be absolutely horrendous it's way overdue still no end in sight they were supposed to be in the start of this season they've still not got a new date um allegedly there's loads of things wrong with it like some of the step heights in each standard are out so they need to be recasted the CC, <laughs> cctv systems failed it's just uh yeah it's gonna it's gonna be such a shame to watch them play out there um, the, the amount of times I've seen their Twitter say "last game at Booth yeah and exactly <laughs> exactly it's a joke really yeah, yeah it's getting words. ridiculous isn't it but it is a great Jack it's a great place to go I mean I never watched Oxford play there but when I lived in York I went to a lot of games and Booth and Crescent is decent Jack what about for you um, a few <laughs> I was, yeah I, I I agree with John I do really like Rotherham's new ground. Um, Less so the bridge in after the flies incident this season. Um, <laughs> oh God! Yeah, um, I always like to go into the Shea in Halifax because that big away terrace, which was just huge, I just really got an, an investment in that. Um, controversially, probably I actually quite like Stadium a- MK, but it deserves yeah. kind of a better team and following and kind of story if you like around it and, and and a better segregation policy well yes yeah um <laughs> i always liked i always thought uh rushton's ground was quite neat as well for a little kind of formerly yeah. non-league side was, i only spoke about that today rushton rushton diamonds ground that was one of the ones that my dad picked up on so uh, it's a, it is a really nice little ground isn't it yeah, it was yeah, really, yeah. and then the... wasn't it one of them where the away stand was actually the nicest stand of the stadium? Yeah, pretty much. That's really weird. Yeah. yeah, and then the I think the best one of the best places to go for kind of the pre-match pub tour is Charlton because you can stay in Greenwich until about ten minutes till kick off um, and get a few pubs in, and then the kind of off the beaten track uh, in terms of other people that might pick it. The first time we played at Northwich Victoria. Um, it was a, I think it was just a setting. It was a sunny day, strolled down the canal, went in the pizzeria under their main stand, and it was just like such a chilled out football day. And then sadly, uh, the pizzeria shut, their ground got bulldozed and they went out of existence. But otherwise, it's quite a nice place to go. <laughs> um, 
I was going to say MK. Something in between the MK Stadium and Rotherham is what I would hope we would aim for if we built a new stadium. Um, I forgot, John. You have you haven't been back on since you've been in. You were in DC, right? And you went to see the um, DC United Stadium that Eric for here for here um, commissioned or funded or whatever. But that looks unique. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a really interesting. Um trips so i went out there for a few days and managed to get a ticket to to one of their games and i was chatting to various fans beforehand and he um he was basically the guy who was the brought in to act between the council and the club to kind of be a go-between because they have all sorts of like zoning permission so all sorts of challenges around that and uh but they had a partnership with the council where they wanted to build a new stadium in this area to use it as a development push so they had to do a kind of forced land acquisition and he was the guy who was sort of the point person on all that. But the stadium itself is, I think it's about 18,000, 19,000. But it has that that Rotherham feel, but even closer to the pitch, actually. And behind the um, behind one of the goals, they have a, a safe standing area with giant screen behind you. So they have VAR and one incident happened. And you literally just turned around and watched the entire thing happen as it, as it went. And it kind of worked really well. But... It sort of um, it was a nice stadium, but it, it generated a good atmosphere as as well. The um, the football, interestingly, was probably no better than um, lower league one standard actually, which yeah, is something okay. I've always, I've always wondered about the MLS. Did, I mean, go on. I was going to say, did you pick up any um, any chance that you can repeat for us? <laughs> no, there, there was. Let's it was just, go, um, DC. It was yeah. It was like DC United, DC United, and then don't there wasn't really much um, other stuff. Yeah, but they did sell beer in the stands as well in these enormous like one and a half pint, maybe even two things. So I think everyone was like half focused on that as well. But (laughs) uh, the two teams, the two teams that were playing were probably not like the lead lead, league leading type teams. But it was interesting. The standard was yeah, not not, we. I the guy who I ended up watching the game was said. Would Oxford beat them? And I was like, yeah, we'd absolutely destroy them. Like if we were on form. <laughs> so, and I did. And I, I was being genuine about that. Did, did you say it in those words? Did you actually say like, we'd yeah, destroy yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, decent. I like that confidence. We will destroy it's, you. It, it's like I, I had a very similar <laughs> conversation. I had a conversation with a taxi driver over here, and he said that Linfield would put a fight up against Oxford. And I was like, no, they wouldn't. I was like, we would absolutely no. demolish you. <laughs> so, speaking about your backside. Clueless. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, it's gone. Was it Beckham? It was Beckham's side that they were playing, wasn't it, John? Yeah, into Miami. Who, was, he, um, was he there with you in the stands? No, he got held up and couldn't make it in the end. Oh, what a shame! Um, don't know who I. He hasn't messaged me back either. So, um, no, they, you... they, they did. They did this amazing thing beforehand. So I got a ticket through one of their supporters groups so that I could go in the standing area, and they have um like a tailgate before the game which is more linked to american football where they like meet up in car parks next to the stadium and have barbecues and all that sort of stuff but this tailgate started four hours before kickoff it was yeah. in a local um community center and you pay 15 dollars to go in and then you had unlimited beer and pretty cheap food and you just sort of mingled around and chatted and stuff but you could pay 30 dollars for the entire season and you could go into this tailgate every single game with unlimited beer. Oh my god, that sounds fantastic! It so is like the guy. Uh, was, 
the culture of tailgating when again i referenced arkansas earlier but i went to one of their their high school football team is a stadium that's yeah. the size of wembley and it's like eighty five thousand capacity and the tailgating culture was everyone just gets absolutely smashed like three four hours before and then just drives their massive trucks home afterwards it's so <laughs> weird it was just um, amazing like the guy i was chatting to was like this is just a no-brainer like basically it's like 25 pounds for i think 12 games a season free beer four hours before kickoff for 25 quid a year yeah. i was so unsurprisingly i rocked up at three hours and 45 minutes before kickoff and uh, <laughs> got stuck in so final yeah, question just... on that i i noticed your your mate that you with said at one point on the video clip you sent through he said the sweets are incredible or the sweets are phenomenal and i didn't know if he meant like haribo type sweets or sweets for like corporate affairs can you clear that up for us please Corp- corporate affairs he was he was also pointing there was an area they were going to turn into like a gambling center which overlooked onto the pitch which i didn't quite understand what the need for that was but if we if we ended up with a stadium three quarters as good as that one i think it, it was the perfect sort of model it was encased tight but had um a real sort of um aura about it as well nice. they didn't see them didn't, didn't have many fans there though which was a bit of a bit of a shame but i'm I'm glad you brought it back round because I forgot why we were talking about it. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it was because Eric Four here is basically, he had to step down from the board, right? Because of conflict. He can't have any business interest with his new minister position, but he could still support in funding a project with us, basically. So it's yeah, going to I mean, be interesting he, to see how that goes forward. He, he left that team just after the year before or the year after that stadium opened. So basically he would have been fully involved in start to finish. And this was this is kind of what Tiger's always talked about, that he's got the networks and the contacts to get these sort of things done. So it all, all yeah. makes sense. Cool. Right. Bloody hell. One hour, 26 minutes. I think we're going to push the topics section back to next week. Um, what do we reckon? Does that sound sensible? Yeah, let's, yeah, um, let's do that. Keep, keep some content for next for next week's. Yeah, I'm impressed though, chaps, that we rambled on for an hour and a half. I mean, I don't know how many people will still be listening at this stage, but we had fun, right? So that's all that matters. It's a good time at the moment um, to be talking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Please keep giving us uh, feedback and giving us feeding us ideas as well as to things we could be going through. Um, it's great that we get quite a lot of interaction on Twitter, so keep it coming. We really appreciate it. Um, anyone got any closing thoughts before I thank you all? No? Okay, Connor, <laughs> Connor, thank you very much for joining the podcast this week. Ta, James, John, John and Jack. You don't get to do that. I do that. I just said, John, I said thank you to thank them. you very much. You don't need to say thank you to them. You're ruining everything. Oh, Fine. I'm just going to ignore him now. John, thank you so much for your presence and input on this podcast. <laughs> okay. And thank you, James, for your diligent leadership and for binning that American thing at the start after about 30 <laughs> seconds. And uh, Jack, just fantastic uh, performance this week. Congratulations. Seven out of ten. Seven, strong seven. And we will see you next time. ta <laughs> <laughs>